Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Portman Architects Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm here today with Mark Zweig and Chrissy Hyatt. Chrissy is the Director of Business Development with Portman Architects, and man, I gotta tell you, she has an amazing story to tell. Without further ado, here is Mark Zweig and Chrissy Hyatt. Cue the music. Welcome to the Portman Architects Podcast, where we share the stories and informed insight of six plus decades of architectural design and achievement. From being the first U.S. company on mainland China to creating a sense of place in their design approach, Portman Architects continues to push the architectural envelope. Portman Architects' team of experts are ready and willing to help move your next project from idea to completion. These podcasts deliver invaluable design strategy and industry insight directly to you. The Portman Architects Podcast, delivering great ideas one episode at a time. Hey, I'm here today with Chrissy Hyatt, who is the Director of Business Development at Portman Architects. And somebody I get to work with uh, every week. Uh, we spend a lot of time together. Chrissy, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. It's great to hear your voice. I always thought you should have been in radio. <laughs> totally. That's what everybody says. <laughs> I didn't I'm flattered. Say I didn't say you have a face for radio. I just think you have a voice. For you have a face for television. Or, you too or kind. Movies. Too kind. Um, <laughs> No, it's great to be here. It's part of our continuing series where we're getting to know some of the Portman people a little bit better. Um, so, Chrissy, let's just get into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How in the world did you get into this business? Well, it's a crazy story, and it's based on rumor. Um, but I moved to Atlanta from Southern California back in 2004, Um I come from a very large Mormon family where I'm the oldest daughter and a classic middle child. And um, we came here in 2004 for just a change of scenery. And HBA, where I started my career, it's an interior design firm. That's where I interviewed. I took a job there and I interviewed. The rumor is I was accidentally hired because I was not qualified. They said, do not show up unless you're qualified. The rebel in me showed up anyway. And so I nailed the first interview, I like to say. So the rumor was that HBA accidentally hired me. And that was like the, our running joke inside the company. Basically, I was the only one that showed up for the second interview due to some mistakes made by the admin staff. And so they hired me. <laughs> So every time I made a mistake or something went wrong, I said, it's your fault. You're the one that accidentally hired me. But so I worked there for 13 years and that's how I got into the business. I, I came from California, Northern California, where I was in the dot-com world, not even knowing anything about the hospitality industry. So it was a huge eye opener for me. But how do you, how that's do you where I got to be Portman. There you go. How do you feel about that decision now when you reflect back on it? It's good. I mean, coming from Northern California in the 
90s in a dot-com world, it was very uncertain. So I've, I've ridden the waves of uh, uncertainty in, in many different industries. So um, it, it's like I say, it's like water off a duck's back right now. It's, you know, you have to ride the waves um, of uncertainty, but um, I'm cool with it. <laughs> when you were a little girl, what did you think you wanted to do for a living? Well, first of all, I knew I was going to be Wonder Woman, of course. Wendy's girl was going to be Wonder Woman, first and foremost. But truth be told, I never really thought I was... I didn't have any desire to be anything in particular. I never had my sights set on being anything but a mom and maybe an artist. Um, I... I'm a, I'm a decent artist and I, I have three terrible, terribly adorable kids and that's pretty much it. So I just kind of roll with the, with the waves. Oh, I'm a firm believer in fate takes you where you need to be. I see. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad you landed in Atlanta. So um, tell us a little bit um, about what the best aspects are of working in business development for a firm like Portman? So Portman was one of HBA's biggest and best clients. So I just always remember Mr. P rolling into the office to talk all, talk about his biggest plans uh, with uh, my former boss, Howard. And I always looked up to him. I always admired Portman as a company and, we did, I think, 11 projects with Portman. So I always had these aspirations of you know, getting to know them better. So I purposely made a choice of meeting them at events and sending them leads and talking to them and, you know, swapping industry stories. But the best thing about being in business development are the stories, are, you know, on LinkedIn, we're doing this, you know, great uh, showcase of all of our talent and one of the things, the questions was, you know, you know, what do you love about being an architect? And, and for me, I, my, I answered, what is the best thing about being in business development or being in the business? And um, I, I didn't even work for Portman at the time, but, you know, Luca, um, who is one of my most favorite people in the industry, he and I were friends outside of, you know, the war industry and we were at a conference together and he was stung by a scorpion, which led to this huge dramatic experience, which is always my favorite story to tell, whether I'm at Portman or not. But it, like what I said in my LinkedIn, it's always about the story. For me, it's you know learning little things about people and where they are and where they're from and you know what what do they like and you know what is their industry like or what is their company like or what type of projects that they do and. I, I have a, a good memory. And so I always remember that when I see him, that's the one thing that, that makes me successful. Yeah. Sure. It's, sure. It's the memory. Once the memory is gone, I'm toast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God yours is good. What, um, for how long? <laughs> if there was one thing you really wanted your clients to know, to understand, what would that be? Well, during, I was thinking about that a lot during the, this current situation. One of the things that keeps coming past my mind is um, how many people have been laid off and how people are moving around in the industry. And I was thinking, what is the one way that I can help, if anything, in this industry? And it's basically to offer my services of memory. If I know someone's looking for someone, 
I definitely try to reach out and say, hey, hey, do you know of this? Or are you interested in this job or that job? That That's the thing that bothers me the most, knowing that so many of my industry friends and colleagues have are out of work right now. So that's where I'm trying to help refer people to push them if I know of leads and, and whatnot as far as jobs. Well, I guess if you help those people, then maybe at some point they want to do business with you. So that's always well, a good strategy. My, one time, my old, my former employer in California, he said to me one time, he's like, we need to work smarter, not harder. And everyone that knows me knows that's my motto, working smarter, not harder. And that's how in the business development world, you know, it took me about three or four years to really come full circle when I started, but I'm a lead swapper. I like to tell people things that I know and they tell me things that they know. And if I can get them a job or if I can lead horse to water, you know, they'll remember me. They'll remember the handout that I'd given them and they call me back. That's where I feel like, yeah, that's the best way to do business development in my world. Um, So yeah, it works for me. Well, how are your clients faring with the COVID-19 problem? The hotel, well, unfortunately, hospitality Unfortunately, a couple clients. of them have the COVID, which is the saddest thing. Um, so wow. they're locked down tight on. Um, but uh, everyone else is trying to stay positive. I know I've talked to a lot of ownership firms that are just looking at switching their model to maybe less renovations and maybe more buying. Um, that's probably what I've seen the most. It's he who pivots the quickest will win the race, I think. You think the hospitality business is going to come back like it once was? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just say give it time. Uh, I, I actually talked to one of my doctors the other day, and they said 18 months is, is standard for a pandemic of this size. So don't get your hopes up that you're going anywhere soon. But I'm headed to Denver this week. So I hope that's okay, doctor. But I'm very safe. I'll wear a mask, you know, follow all those precautions. But I think people will finally wrap their heads around it and just bunker down and take care of each other. And hopefully it will all go away. But I think everyone's travel will, it'll resume. People are, I think it's going to explode when people feel like it's time to explode. So what, um, where do you see the AE business going in the future? You've been in this business now quite some time. Yeah, don't say how long because you'll age me out, but. <laughs> um, All right. I've been doing it longer, so it's okay. <laughs> A couple years. Um, so as far as the AE business, um, I, it's, it's interesting to try to predict the future. I have a lot of these conversations with friends in the industry. If I could see three years down the road, it would be an easy question to ask. But when you start thinking, okay, what about offices? Where are people actually going to go back to work? What about multifamily? Are they going to want to live that close together? What about multifamily with offices included? The new wave Um, that I'm not sure. So I'm just trying to do a lot of brainstorming with, fellow colleagues and industry friends to see, you know, who's going to do what, where, when. That is the unpredictable aspect of it all. Hmm. But architecture will be around forever. 
you know, oh, engineering sure. will be around as far as that, you know, forever. We may just be doing different stuff. That is know? true. That is definitely true. We might what be catering you- to a different generation though, too. Mm-hmm. What, um, what else do our listeners need to know about you? Well, I was told that I could talk about my scooter club at some point. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I, I don't know. That's what I, I came here from Southern California. Um, and the one cool thing that I love to talk about people in the industry, I love to find out about what makes you tick outside of work. What is your thing, right? What are your hobbies? What makes you different? And my closest friends in the industry know that I started an all vintage scooter club when I was 19. We ride around with on Vespas and Lambrettas causing no havoc because we're getting older now. But I love to talk and swap stories like that with people all the time. Everyone asks me what you're doing. I'm like, well, first I'm dealing with my scooter club and then I'm working. Um, but yeah, it's good to have hobbies outside of work. I didn't know you were into scooters. You know, I, oh, I, huge. I started out in bike shops when I was a kid and I've had hundreds of motorcycles and, uh, and some scooters and actually won some prizes for best restorations of 1960s era Italian small displacement uh, motorcycles. Wow. That's I've got very a, impressive. <laughs> we well, never I had mean, that conversation. I know. I, <laughs> we, We've got a Benelli 250. Oh, I know. See, now we love each other even more. There you got go. Kindred Italian, vintage Italian. Yes, I, uh, I've i been um, in a couple of international magazines. Wow. Even on the cover I... of one here in the States. So it's it's my it's my second alternate universe, my second world there. That's so funny. It's, I didn't yeah, know that. It's it's good. Like I said, it's it's good to have things outside of work. But it, it is. And I... you're in the vintage world. But it, here's the thing, though. When you're in the vintage world, like if you're way into vintage things... You know, architect goes hand in hand because sure. a lot of people that collect Vespas are into modern architecture. And so Mr. Portman is a huge thing to modernists. So I love that. I love that, that it kind of brings the two worlds together. Well, I've got a, a 1966 Benelli 250 Cafe Racer sitting in our entry here <laughs> at the house. So anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Those type of motorcycles belong inside. Yeah, but that's that's fascinating. Well, you know, it's sort of, as you say, I mean, a hobby can also s- sort of spread into your work. I mean, the whole networking aspect of dealing with something like vintage scooters, it does sort of lend itself to business development. It's knowing who to call for one thing or another, technical advice or parts or whatever. Well, the funny, the you know? funny thing is I started at HBA as the contracts administrator because that's where my world came from, from the software world. And so I started as the contracts administrator. And when my boss, who I loved and adored, when he left the company, his boss looked at me and it was like, okay, now it's your time to shine. And I was like, you, but you know, everybody in the industry, you talk to them, you negotiate their contract contracts, you this is your time to go and run with it. And if I wouldn't have had, you know, numerous people behind me, numerous mentors pushing me constantly, I would have never been where I'm at now. I've always had bosses that believe in me much more than me. And I'm a Leo. I should believe in me more than anybody, but I always have very strong bosses behind me, pushing me in the right direction. And for that, I'm appreciative. 
And that was one thing, Portman, they came to me and said, I know you could make it better for us. They had to convince me and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, and I'm proving them right. You know, we're getting there. Well, you're the first real business development person. I mean, when you look at the evolution of the firm, Portman Architects was part of a larger organization. and, and Yeah, for Portman Architects. Yeah. But I know the two, the three me's before me when it was JPA. I know the three business development people before me. And I love them dearly. So I'll shout that out. Um, but I did call all three of them beforehand and said, what do you think? And they all said, <laughs> you're exactly what Portman needs. <laughs> so that was the vote of confidence I needed. Well, I think it was a lot. It, it was certainly challenging in the early days because Mr. Portman, he wanted to do his own work. And, you know, that was really all he was interested in. And, and a, Yeah, but I mean, if you today, think about it, it's pretty amazing that he could c- create a development company to design oh, the things is. that he wanted to design. That's it, like it, every architect's dream. It so, really is. Yeah. I mean, props to him. But, but you've now, been successful yeah. getting us out of that dependence and doing other things now. Yeah, I'm trying to. I mean, my goal is really to bring in those third-party developers. Uh, that would be a great fit for Portman and create a little bit of diversity in their portfolio. Because I'm coming, you know, coming from the interior design world. We worked all around the world and in every aspect, resorts and high-rise and spas and everything. So. I would love to see them shine in more, you know, with a more larger portfolio of projects as far as resorts and, and, and things like that, not just the urban setting, which they're amazing at, but they would be just as great with a cool Maldives resort. And, I, and you and I will go check it out. <laughs> Uh, well, it's, it certainly is interesting to see how the company's evolved and, and, you know, I've had a long association with them and it's great to see some of these new clients and new projects coming in today. And oh, definitely. I'm, I'm, it I'm makes me happy to make, you know, it makes me happy to, um, to make them happy. And that I, I've told, I told Rob, you know, Rob Haverson, my boss, I told him from day one, it's like money doesn't drive me. It it, what drives me is the feeling of success, doing the right thing, and making the people, I'm a people pleaser, the people around me happy doing what they want to do. And so, yeah, hopefully we'll be successful that way. That's great. Well, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about you? Oh, geez. <laughs> that I don't know. I'm trying to think. No. I have one question, Mark, if you don't mind me interjecting. Um, no, please I, I do. Think, I think, Chrissy, this, is, this has been a, a really a good education for me, but I would be curious to know what advice you'd have for younger women that want to kind of break in in this area within the design industry, because I think it's important with all the talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion nowadays, everybody's wondering how are we going to give more people a platform to excel in a space that has been traditionally dominated by males. Oh yeah. Um, You know, so I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are on that and um, where you see the future going as far as that's concerned. Well, for me, I actually just got in an argument with somebody about this yesterday. Uh, <laughs> it was a funny thing. 
I was raised with four brothers. I am from a Dutch family and I myself am six feet tall. So for me, it was never an issue for me. I just assume I was one of the guys, right? Because I never was really treated any different. So when I go, I don't have the fear of like, if I'm walking down the street in LA or anywhere like that alone, I really don't have any real fears about being a woman or I just was, you know, with the, my height and whatnot, it just never affected me. So then I got in an argument with somebody yet to certain speeches that have been made recently. And uh, I was told, you know, you just have to speak your mind and you have to be able to advocate for yourself. That That's fine for someone who's six feet tall, but what if you're five feet tall and you're a hundred pounds and you're meek? So all women, just like men, are not the same. So you have to empower the women around you. I think it's for women to support women is a huge thing in my world. I predominantly had women bosses before and they're very strong, powerful women that I could look up to. And I feel like I like to mentor younger girls. You know, uh, one of my favorite people in the world is someone that I work with every day, our graphics and branding specialist. I think by having more women support women, it will definitely be a better society. And, you know, when people realize we're amazing multitaskers and we get stuff done, like we can have kids and balance a full-time job and still be a good stay-at-home mom at the same time. I think people will start appreciating the fact that there's a lot of strong women in this world. Um, and that will open the doors for some. I think sometimes it just they're too afraid to push for what they want or advocate for themselves. So I'm constantly saying that advocate, advocate for yourself. So I don't know if I got a little off topic, but. No, no, that was, that was, no, that's exactly what I was kind of looking for. Now that the person that you were, that's kind of under you right now that you're shepherding along this route, you said she is uh, what's her role at at Portman? She's a, she's the graphics and branding specialist. Okay. And she's, yeah, she's absolutely amazing in every way. Okay. She is a tremendous uh, talent. She is a talent. She gets a lot done. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. Women get stuff done. Let right. me tell you right now. Right, right. <laughs> Not she that men don't, but women do. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's really just what it comes down to. Women need to support women. I mean, men do, but women, you got to support each other. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Mark, you got anything else you want to say before we close out? No, I think uh, this has been very interesting, and and I learned something about Chrissy that I did not know. Um, She likes Vespas and Lambrettas, and and that's exciting. So I look forward to the next time we get to talk about that. Yes. I forgot to ask her, what is your... your, What's your your ride? Yeah, what is your ride? What do you currently have right now? I have a 1964 Lambretta Series 3, and it's... It used to be Wonder Woman theme, which is hilarious, but now it's a like a hypercolor fluorescent orange. Awesome. And I do have an orange <laughs> and white Vespa, but I have a I, I'm a Lambretta girl. Everyone knows me as the Lambretta person. So I I don't really talk about the Vespa as much. But and I do have a, a one fifty, also Lambretta. Oh yeah, that's that's nice. It's a little faster. Yeah, they're yeah. They're, my garage is jam packed full of them. So well, does does Moto Morelli Electrics haven't got you down? Is that uh, no. you've managed to deal with that? 
No, I can only do vintage two strokes. Ah, awesome. All right. Well, listen, it's been great talking with you and really appreciate your time. And Randy, thank you for putting us together today. And uh, Yes. Thank we, you. We appreciate your time and, and uh, look forward to uh, talking with, with you again soon, Chrissy. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mark. Wow. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Chrissy is a fireball. She's got a lot of great stories and she's just a bundle of energy. Our goal here at Portman Architects is to provide you with some in-depth knowledge and understanding about Portman Architects, who we are as an organization, and more importantly, who are the people that make up Portman Architects and make it so special. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Portman Architects podcast. We will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Portman Architects podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and you learned a bit more about how we use teamwork and architectural design to solve your problems. Be sure to check us out online at www.portmanarchitects.com.